Father, we thank you today for your presence, first of all. We thank you for what Christmas really means. We thank you for what your Son has done in our hearts and in our lives. And we take this moment this morning to just say thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us so much. In these next few minutes, we ask that you would just open up our hearts, that we could hear your word, receive your word, that we would have ears to hear, hearts to receive the seed of your word, that our lives would be shaped today by your word and your spirit. We give you thanks for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a little tough to compete with the children's Christmas choir, but I want to take a few minutes this morning and I want to talk a little bit about the heart of Christmas. Last Sunday, I shared a message about Christmas, but we talked about the message of Christmas. Today, I want to get into the heart of Christmas. We're going to be reading from Matthew 12 in just a few minutes. If you want to turn there, if not, the verses will be on the screen as we read. But you know, the Christmas season gets so busy, so hectic for a lot of people, so many things going on, that it's really easy to lose the meaning of Christmas. You can get caught up in the festivities where you never really stop. What does Christmas say? What's the message? What does Christmas mean? How should this be impacting my heart and my life? And today in this second of two Christmas messages, I want to address a little bit of the heart of Christmas. You know, the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, was so simple and so humble that really society could easily have just missed it. All of humanity could have missed what was going on in that little stable, except that God did two miraculous things to make sure everybody knew the Savior was born. First of all, he spoke through angels to a group of shepherds out of the field who were watching their sheep. We talked about that last week. They brought the message of Christmas, and the message is a Savior is born. Somebody has come to save us from our sins and a life of destruction and give us a brand new life and life eternal. But today, I want to talk about the second thing that God did, miraculous event. God put a star in the sky to grab the attention of people who needed to know that a Savior had been born. I'm going to read about that today. And we're going to look at really three thoughts from the wise men who saw the star, who responded to the star. We're going to look at three thoughts that really describe the heart of Christmas. Matthew chapter, ch chapter 2, rather, not 12. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, notice those words, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews for we have seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him when Herod the king heard this he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born and so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea for thus it is written by the prophet but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, 
Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you've found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now notice these next two verses, 11 and 12. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And verse 12 says, Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. Today I want to talk to you about some familiar Christmas characters, and that would be the wise men. Let me say, first of all, if you've ever looked closely at a nativity scene, you'll always see wise men standing there with the shepherds, with the angels, with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus lying in a manger. A couple of minor corrections that we might want to throw in just for our own understanding. I mean, I think it's great to have the wise men represented, but two things about them. The first is Scripture doesn't say there were three wise men. Because there were three gifts described, We've kind of narrowed it down and broken it down to three wise men. Old wise tales from hundreds of years ago say that there were probably at least 14 of these guys. May have even been a bigger group. But they were wise men who came from the east. The other part of this story is they did not come at the birth of Jesus. The star appeared when Jesus was born... And by the time they identified what it meant, who it was, and made their journey from afar, Jesus was probably close to two years old at this time. It says they came to the young child, Jesus, there and they worshipped him. But I want to talk about these wise men for just a minute before I get into the three thoughts I want to share today. I'd like to introduce them to you. Some translations, rather than call them wise men, they're called the magi. M-A-G-I, Magi. And what we know from this word in the original writings, this word Magi really means um, Oriental philosophers or Oriental wise men. They were learned men. They were well taught. They were informed. They were schooled men. They were the wisest of the wise. As a matter of fact, they were also known to be involved in all kinds of religious teachings and ideas. If you look at that word magi, M-A-G-I, and you add to the end of it, they were known as magicians, oriental magicians. They practiced probably black arts, all kinds of things. But the essence and the point I want to make is they were wise. They were quite possibly rulers in their areas of the day. They watched the stars, the skies. They were educated in all areas of life. They probably had all knowledge that was available in the day. But... At the bottom of the whole story, these men were looking for reality, looking for the meaning of life. They were looking for God. They were looking for God. Now, out of this, let me just add a, a couple of more thoughts. These guys probably came from an area that we would have known later as Persia. Iraq, Iran, perhaps that part of the world. Some believe they came in from even further east. 
If you measured in miles, these guys had to travel 800 to 1,000 miles minimum to get to Jesus. And they came on foot, on camels, donkeys, whatever means they had. So these guys' journey would have taken a long time after they identified where they were going and what the star meant. So we dispel a few ideas about this and kind of set it in perspective. Another little tidbit, in Acts chapter 8, And in Acts chapter 13, there are two different stories that talk about sorcerers, one who came to oppose the gospel and one who came to believe the gospel. The word for sorcerer there in the original writings is a root form of the same word as magi as these guys. So they were probably sorcerers or wizards in some respects. They were unusual people, but they were looking and searching for God. So we set the story. They see the star in the sky that God has placed. And it begins a journey in their lives. So as we talk about these wise men the next few minutes, three things I want to show you. Number one, the heart of Christmas is a journey. The heart of Christmas is a journey. And it's really a twofold, two-part journey. The first part of the journey is a journey to find God. I mentioned earlier, these wise men were searching for God. You say, well, how do you know that? Because as far as we know, they were the only ones outside of a couple of religious people in Israel who understood that Jesus had come into the world without being addressed by an angel. These guys were searching for truth. It's interesting as you look at their story, they saw the star and from their studies and their research, they knew what the star meant and they knew where the star was pointing. Israel didn't know that. The religious leaders of the Jews didn't understand that. But these Gentiles from afar, from the east, they understood And it's intriguing to me as you look at their journey. They travel hundreds of miles. They arrive at Jerusalem and they begin to inquire around town and they wind up before King Herod. And here's their question. Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? Scripture says the whole town was in turmoil. Everybody was intrigued. Everybody was wondering, what does this mean? A king's been born and I didn't know. Why wasn't it in the papers? Why wasn't it in the news? Why doesn't everybody know about this? Who are these guys from the east that would know about this king? And we don't even know that we have a king been born. How can that be? These guys were ahead of their time because they had a heart to know God and to find God. Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Pharisees didn't know it. Scribes didn't know it. The lawyers of the day, they did not know it. But these wise men from the east knew what was going on. If I could take just one more minute and throw in one more little nugget here. In the Old Testament, there's a story. I think it's Numbers 24. It's the story of Balaam. This prophet, the scripture says, came from the east. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, there were people who were identified as coming from the east. Job was the richest man in the east. Balaam was a prophet who came from the east. Other men were known as coming from the east. But here's the story I want you to see. In the Old Testament, Balaam was hired to prophesy a prophecy against the people of Israel to stop their journey. 
He came to prophesy, and a lot of you know the story. God caused his donkey to start talking to him, which turned him around. How many of you know that God can use just about anything he wants to use? And if God can use the donkey, he can use the person sitting next to you, all right? Works both ways. He can use you too. But here's the point I want to show you. When Balaam began to prophesy, the words that came out of his mouth were not a curse against Israel. They became words of blessing towards Israel. And he even referred to the fact that the day would come when God would put a star in the sky to draw people to a newborn king. These guys from the east quite well could have known that prophecy. The historians of days before Christ, historians had written that there would come a king who would be born in Judah outside of Scripture. There were prophecies that said a ruler is coming and he'll be born in Bethlehem of Judea. So these guys had plenty of information that when they saw the star in the sky and saw where it was, they knew it had to be this king being born. It's interesting. Scripture says Jesus came to his own and they rejected him. But Gentiles, pagans from hundreds of miles away came and recognize who he was because they were searching for God. Can I tell you something today? If you're searching for God, if needs be, God will put a star in the dark sky of your life to make sure that you find your way. He'll find a way. He'll point you to the Christ if your heart is truly seeking for truth and for God. That even today in our world, people see the signs of Christmas, but many people never meet the Christ of Christmas. And that's what this journey is about. The first part of the journey of Christmas is the journey to find God. But then there's a second part of the journey. It's the journey to experience God and to know God. See, one of the things I've learned about God is once you meet God, it opens the door not just to an experience with God, but experience after experience, encounter after encounter, intervention after intervention. God continually gets involved in our lives. It begins a journey. It's not about coming and meeting God. It's about knowing God and spending the rest of your life seeing his hand involved in everything that happens. It begins a journey that never ends in this life or in the life to come because the heart of christmas is about a journey to find god and then to know god and to experience him i have a friend who through the years has become a very good friend tells his story about growing up here in southern california i won't mention his name because it doesn't matter and and i didn't ask his permission to tell his story but he's got a great story he grew up in Southern California, grew up in a good family, good people, but they didn't know God, didn't follow God, had no involvement in church. They celebrated Christmas like most other families, and years went by, and he knew the name Jesus. He knew a little bit about the Christmas story, but he never heard the story and the plan of salvation. Never knew that he could meet God and experience God for himself. He got into his teenage years getting farther and farther from God. He had some 
tragedies that hit his life. Some things happened that brought great disappointment his way. He got really down, really discouraged. And he kind of came to the place where he felt like there was no hope in life. And he began to run into a crazy journey of his own. First it was alcohol that he found at home. And then it extended into drugs he found from friends and from school. The culture of the 60s and the early 70s began to eat away at his life. And he got further and further down that road to a dark, dark, dark place until his whole life was upside down. By the time he was out of high school, he was bound by alcohol, addicted. He was addicted to drugs. He got deeper and deeper and deeper into the latest and newest drug of the day. It reached the place where his life was just one high to the next, to the next, to the next. But he told me there's two things about his journey. Number one. He just wanted to destroy himself. Number two, before he died, he wanted to find God. He wanted to meet God, to know who God really was, and he began to run to Eastern religions, which back in those times was really popular. He tried this new idea, that new idea, this new age thought. He ran from thing to thing. He got into Native American ideas and teachings. He ran from place to place searching for God, but could not find him. 21 years of age, his life was a mess, he was upside down, addicted, no hope, no future, just wanted to die. And One day, in a park, a 12-year-old boy began to tell this 21-year-old hippie about Jesus, and it began a journey. God used a 12-year-old boy to hang a star in his sky to say, this is the way you need to follow that star and go there. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what's going on in your world today. You can be a star in somebody's dark sky if you just share what Jesus has done in your life. Every one of us can make a difference. And so this journey began for this young man who now is a friend of mine to find God. Number two, the second thing about Christmas and the heart of Christmas is that the heart of Christmas is really about worship. It's about worship. Let me ask you a question today. What would you do if today you were to meet a king? What would you do? You say, well, I would probably honor him the way he should be honored. Okay, let me ask you this. What would you do today if you were to meet the king of all the kings? You would probably want to respond in the proper manner you know i think a lot of the church world has never come to understand what it means to really worship scripture says these wise men from the east they followed the star from herod on over to the place where jesus was and they arrived there and there's this young child probably two years old and they go into the house where the child is and it says they begin to worship Before I illustrate this, let me show you. This is not worship. <sighs> don't watch the clock. I'm watching it for you, okay? They've got me on a timer here, so don't worry about it. That's not worship. You know what worship is? This is worship. 
Listen, Scripture says they came into the house where the young child was and they fell down before him and they began to worship him. Isn't that what any of us would do if we were called in before a king today? We would pay homage and give him the proper respect. That's the respect Jesus deserves in our lives. Man, I love church on Sunday mornings. I love worship. I love the singing. You know, I'm not the one who sits back and just kind of spectates. I like to get involved and sing. I love to sing. Aaron won't let me sing anymore, but I used to sing. Aaron won't let me sing anymore. But you know, I love to come and worship God, and I get so excited with the praise and the music. It's wonderful. And that's all good. But what God is really looking for are those moments when our heart bows before him. And recognizes him for who he is and for what he is. These wise men came when they found the king. They knew what to do. That was to bow down and worship him. I want to ask you today. Do you know what to do when you enter into the presence of the king? We need to bow our hearts before him. One of the things I learned from these scriptures. Wise men aren't afraid. Wise men aren't embarrassed. Wise men aren't even intimidated to bend their knees and bow before God. It's something they want and desire to do. You know, some of the most powerful moments of my life, some of the greatest memories I have of my times with God has happened in times of worship. When I needed an answer, God would show up with an answer. When I needed encouragement, God would show up with encouragement. When I couldn't find my way out of a situation, God was there to point me in the right direction. When my body was broken, the healer showed up to bring healing to my body. When I was in a place of need financially, God would encourage me and say, I am your provider. I will be there for you. Just keep walking this pathway. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. If you will worship God, God will show up in your times of worship and meet you right where you are. Worship God. And one more question. You might join with me in this. When I consider the message of Christmas that God has sent a Savior, and when I consider the heart of Christmas, worship, how can I but help to stop and fall on my face before Him and thank Him for all He's done for me? And all he continues to do. The heart of Christmas is worship. And then there's one more little part of this. It says, they worshipped him and then they opened their treasures. They gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's a whole message there about those three gifts. But let me just say one thing. In those days, those gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they were imported from the east. These guys brought their wealth with them to the feet of Jesus, and they opened their treasures, and they shared their wealth at the feet of God. Stay with me a minute. When these guys leave, Herod begins to kill all baby boys two years of age and under. Mary and Joseph run to Egypt to get away and hide for a couple of years. Can I tell you something? They had provision for those years to protect the Christ child because they'd received gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. See, sometimes we come to God and we fail to understand that giving has always been a part of worship. 
You go back to the very beginning of time. Go all the way back to the first children who were born when they began to offer sacrifices. God demanded sacrifices and they were expensive. And some of us in our American culture say, oh, I don't want to go to church and hear them talk about money. You know what? We don't talk much about money around here. And we've already taken the offering so you can relax, okay? But, but here's the point. You cannot separate giving from worship. It's always been a part of it. David understood this. King David said, I cannot give something to God that costs me nothing. If worship does not cost me something, it's not worship to God. And I need to be willing to open my treasures, lay them at his feet, lay all my treasures down before him and give him what he asks of me. And then number three, third thing, really briefly. The heart of Christmas is a life changed by the Son of God. Jesus didn't just come to hang out with us. He came with a mission. He came to save us from our sins. To deliver us from the bondage of our past and our failures. So we can walk away from it and be set free forever. And walk away from the guilt and shame and let it go. Jesus came to save us it's interesting as you read this story verse 12 it says the wise men were warned by god in a dream not to go back to herod the way they came so it simply says they went to their own country another way one translation says they went home another way please i know it's a play on words but stay with me a minute here when you've come and knelt at the feet of Jesus, you can't help but go home another way. Because Jesus changes everything. I don't know what's going on in your life today, but God does. And he cares about it. Every little detail, every hair on your head, he knows about it. Every little need in your life, every little prayer in your heart, God knows about it. He cares. And he wants to be concerned in all of it. But I promise you, God's word promises you, if you open your heart to the king, to the savior, you'll go home another way. I told you earlier about my friend, how a 12-year-old boy became a star in his sky. A few days later, he went to a simple little gospel mission, a little country mission walked into a church service, heard a preacher share a message he'd never ever heard before. Fighting back the tears, he walked to the front of the building and said, I need Jesus. He told me, he said, when I walked to the front of that building, I began to weep. He said, I wept and I wept uncontrollably. He said, for a solid hour, the tears just ran out of me. And this guy's not an emotional guy. He said, the tears just ran out of me because God was washing away 21 years of filth, 21 years of pain, 21 years of bad choices. He said, God just wiped it all and washed it all away as those tears ran down my face. The amazing thing was, he said, when I left that meeting that night, I was healed. I was made whole. I was delivered from drugs. I was delivered from alcohol. God totally changed my life. And let me tell you something, almost 40 years later, he is preaching the gospel around the world. 
That's the kind of God we serve. Can I tell you today, God cares about you. He cares about what's going on. If you're looking for God, he'll, he'll, he'll put a star in your sky to point you to Jesus. As a matter of fact, this message today, I know for some people in this room, this message today is the star that God is using to point you to Jesus. You've listened to these words today and something in your heart is turning. That's the Spirit of God knocking on the door of your heart and you realize this is real. I'm not interested in giving you religion, but I'd love to introduce you to a God who wants to be in relationship with you and change your life for the better and give you a life that is so much better than any life you could ever dreamed of if you'll just invite him into your life and give him a chance. If you'll just begin the journey today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God loved you so much the son that he sent, he put on a cross to pay for all of our mistakes, all of our sins. We could come into relationship with him. He offers it to us freely in grace. But it demands our faith saying yes to God and receiving Jesus. We do that with an invitation, with words, with, with prayer. Saying, God, I need you. I want you in my life. I want to lead you in a prayer today that will just help you. Start that journey, opening your heart to God. So I'm going to ask you, everybody in the room, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer right out loud. You don't have to scream the words, but pray it out loud. Just wrap your heart around it, wrap your faith around it. Let God begin to work in your life. Let's pray this together. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come and change my life. Forgive me of the past. Release me from all my failures. I want to know you. I want a brand new life in you. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to learn your ways. And I will follow you. From this moment forward, you are my Father. And I am your child. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. So the journey begins. I'll come back to this in just a moment, but I want us to do something together. We're not quite finished. Got just a few more minutes. I want to ask everybody to stand with me, if you would, please. Please, unless you absolutely have to, don't run for the exit. We'll be finished in just a few minutes. But I want to come back to the heart of Christmas because part of the heart of Christmas is worship. When I look back over my life, i got to tell you, God's been good to me. He's been so good. He's filled my life with so much blessing. And this Christmas season, I think it would do me good, and maybe you too, to just stop and bow my hearts before Him. I'm not asking you to get on your knees. If you want to, that's your call. But... I'm asking you today, just bow your heart before God and let's just worship Him and thank Him for what Jesus means to us. Right there where you are, just, just lift your hands if you're, if you're comfortable doing that. Just begin to thank Him right out loud. It's okay to do that. People around you aren't going to think you're weird. Father, we just honor you today. We glorify you. Thank you for sending your Son into our lives. 
Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us amazing blessings and an amazing life. God, I worship you today. I bow my heart before you. Father, I ask you to just fill my life with your presence because I want you to know I love you, I appreciate you, and I honor you today, Father. Oh, come let us adore him. We welcome your presence into our lives to address every need that we have, every situation. Father, we welcome your presence. Speak into our lives today. Speak into our lives today. Speak into our lives, I pray. Just before we change the order of things today, I want to pray one more prayer for you. You know, it's been said for many years that Jesus is the gift that just keeps on giving day after day, year after year. Maybe you've got a need in your life today. I want to join my faith with yours, and I want to ask God to meet your need. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I don't, I don't care what nature of the need is. If you've got a need in your life, even if it's for somebody else, that you're praying and believing, just lift up your hand hold it there for a moment, okay? Now I want you to tell God what you need. I want to join with you right now. Father, in this building today, I believe you're here to minister to your children, to meet the needs of your people. You said that you know what we have need of even before we ask. Whether it's salvation, whether it's healing, whether it's the peace of God, whether it's the presence of your Holy Spirit working in different ways in our lives. Father, even bringing our children home to us. Father, I pray right now across this room that you'd work miracles in people's lives. You're the God who keeps giving, Father. Don't let us ignore you in this season, and I pray that you won't ignore your children, but you will hear our prayer today, and you will meet our needs in Jesus' name. Now let's thank him for it. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We honor you, Father. We glorify you. We magnify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you thankful for Jesus today? Aren't you thankful? He's a great God. You can be seated for just one more moment. I mentioned a few moments ago, I had one more thing to say. To those of you who prayed that prayer earlier and committed your hearts to the Lord and asked the Lord to come into your life, 
We've got a little booklet we put together just for you. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's real simple reading, just a, a little bit each day for the next week to help you start building a relationship with God. We want to give it to you. No strings attached. It's our gift to you. We feel like it's our responsibility to give this to you. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. Just walk down to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer, they'll pray with you. Please let us give this to you today. If you're in a really big rush, you can stop by out in the lobby just as you exit the glass doors. There's a counter set up there with a sign that talks about starting your walk with God. You can stop by there. They'll give you the same booklet there. Just stop by and say, can I get the booklet? Please, we want to give it to you today. No strings attached. God bless you. We love you today. And if you would, give my wife a hand as she comes to share some final thoughts. What a great service this has been. So good being in church with you today. So glad you're here. Before we go, just a couple of quick things. You know, last week we had just about 100 names that had been submitted through our Adopt-A-Child program. And as you heard in church news, they were all adopted by first service last week. So you guys didn't even get a chance to participate in our Adopt-A-Child program. Well, this past week we had about 26 more names submitted and we have held those names we did not allow first service to adopt those names we have held them for you and so we've got our adopt a child table set up out in the foyer when you exit the auditorium it is to the far left of the foyer and if you would like to participate and adopt a child this Christmas you can do that and what that means to adopt a child is that these are children who whose parents are just facing some financial difficulty right now and cannot afford to purchase gifts for their children this Christmas. And so if you adopt a child, we are just asking that you would buy two gifts valued at $25 each for each child that you adopt. And then you bring the gifts next Sunday. We have a drop-off area in the foyer. And then the parents will pick up the gifts the following week. And that way, we are helping the parents have gifts to wrap and put under their tree from them for their children. We want to set up the parents to be the heroes in their children's eyes. So if you want to participate in that, we would love to have you do so. You can do that at the table. But also, we know that 26 names is not enough for everyone who might want to be involved in making a difference in a child's life this Christmas. So we also have another opportunity. We are joining up with a few of our missions partners to provide Christmas gifts for children overseas. We're going to be providing gifts for children in two areas, in Colombia, and also for an orphanage in the Ukraine. And so if you would like to be part of those projects, you can simply put your donation of whatever amount you'd like to uh, donate in this box down at the end of the stage, which we call our seed box, where you can just sow seed into these children's lives. And so you can uh, put a check in there, or if you want to donate with cash, there are envelopes on the backs of the chairs, or you can also donate online today and designate that for missions, and it will go to those projects as well. Okay, thank you so much for just being willing to help make a difference in children's lives 
us this Christmas. Well, this has been an awesome service today. We are also really excited about our services next Sunday with our Christmas production. So remember next week we have the production happening at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. as well as 6 p.m. And the evening production will be followed by an after party. It's going to be awesome. Grab those invitation cards in the foyer before you leave. Pass them out this week. Bring your friends next week. And we can't wait to see you there. Have an amazing week. Oh, it's who 